Welcome to the Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. The evolving public health crisis has had a unique impact on Canadian cannabis retailers. Industry leaders Darren Bondar, President and CEO of Spirit Leaf, and Eleanor Lynch, COO of Kiero, reflect on the past year, the opportunities it has created, and the lasting impacts it will have. In a retail landscape that's built on perseverance and agility, a lot can be learned about championing innovation and resilience in unpredictable times. I moderated this panel discussion on May 13, 2021 at the Retail Cannabis Forum, hosted by Retail Council of Canada. Let's listen in now. All right, well, let's get ready for our next session. I'm going to be uh, moderating this next session, uh, uh, How COVID Impacted the Retail Cannabis Landscape. I'm joined by Eleanor Lynch, Chief Operations Officer with Kiero, and Darren Bondar, Founder, President, and CEO of Spirit Leaf. Eleanor and Darren join me today to share their experiences. Hi. Um, How are you doing? Very good. I mean, both of you are going to join me today, share their experiences of this past year, how COVID has reshaped the vision. Darren, I'm going to kick it off with you for the first kind of question. I'll ask you both uh, a little bit of kind of an elevator presentation speech, a few minutes about who what and and how your organization works and a little bit of recent news that you had so uh, tell us about yourself and uh, some of that news that maybe uh, some of us have heard from last week um sure well uh spirit leaf is uh is an organization that we started about four years ago in um uh, in hopes of really being a one of the top cannabis retailers across the country and we wanted it to be a very entrepreneurial organization um, that was really had a strong corporate culture. And uh, over the last few years, we've just continued to, to build along with our franchise partners and our employees. And today we're actually tomorrow, we're about to open our 88th store in Saskatoon. Congratulations. And operating, yeah, thanks. We're really excited about that. It's our second store in the market. And we're operating uh, coast to coast from uh, BC to Newfoundland in over 50 different cities uh, through a combination of uh, corporate and franchise locations. So it's been a great ride. We're all very passionate cannabis enthusiasts and uh, passionate about the industry. And uh, I guess the news you're referring to is uh, the latest uh, acquisition um, where Sundial, uh, the Sundial Group is acquiring us, um, which I think is uh, very exciting. Going to be, I think, great overall for um, for us and for the industry as we continue to support uh, all LPs and, and, and really the industry as a whole. So we're excited about it and uh, really just the next evolution as we start to focus on uh, global aspirations. And, uh, and this gives us some additional financial bench strength and uh, to be able to execute on, on those plans. Well, listen, congratulations, uh, you know, creating that kind of value, creating value uh, over, what, four years. Uh, congratulations. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, it's you know, been a great ride and uh, team well effort uh, all around. Uh, listen, uh, l- tell us a little bit about uh, Kiero and uh, how you go to market, a little bit about uh, the organization. Sure. Yeah. Great. Thank you again for having uh, me today here to represent Chiaro and certainly COVID-19 and and how much of a challenge it's been. But in terms of Chiaro, we're headquartered out of Vancouver. We have seven locations in uh, Western Canada right now. We're operated, uh, we we have an operator license for Ontario. So we're hard at work in terms of expanding into the Ontario market. We also operate a wholesale business in Saskatchewan, um, e-commerce and last mile delivery. So we kind of have our hands in a lot of different in a lot of different buckets, super busy. We have a new store opening in Kelowna coming soon, hopefully August of, of this year. So so busy folks over here. Well, congratulations. And I've, I've had the pleasure of being in, in your stores. Great people, really innovative 
layout. I really enjoyed the experience. Why don't we just kick it off with a little bit? I'm not going to dwell too much on you know history here in terms of COVID, but I did want you to take me back or take us back to that moment where it dawned on you last year that this was not a thing that was going to kind of pass, but this was going to be a marathon of stops and starts, and you're going to have to learn how to operate in this environment. Take me back to that moment and what you were thinking. Yeah. So we were open. It was March 18th, 2020, and we were opening our Port Moody location. It was set to open that day, and they had announced a public emergency. Um, So it stuck out in my mind for obvious reasons. We were opening a store. We had three more stores to open that year. And you could just tell from the sentiment, from the global news, uh, from the reports that were coming out, this was going to be really uh, something unprecedented for the last hundred years and getting your team through those hurdles Mm. and how they could come together and, um, you know, not, not kind of get stuck in that, that mind frame of, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. So I remember it. I, I spent about six weeks opening and closing the Port Moody store um, as we supported staff to make sure that they, right. you know, <laughs> if they weren't feeling well, they didn't have to come in and, yeah. and all that kind of great stuff. So it was a crazy day. Well, speaking of crazy days, they haven't stopped, right, Darren? I mean, uh, you know, right up till today, we we get Ontario announces an extension uh, to the closures. I mean, you've gone, you know, the industry's gone from illicit to essential to non-essential to whatever it is in different provinces. How do you keep up? You know, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you, even at a local level, how within your network, coast to coast, do you keep up and then adapt to those changes amongst you and your team and, and your franchise partners? Yeah, it's, it's shocking actually that it's still, uh, we're still talking about this 14 months later. I think that's the biggest surprise for me, but like any good marathon, uh, we're, we're going to dig deep till we hit that finish line. And uh, for us, just in operating in all these different provinces, we really rely on our, our managers and our local franchise owners uh, to ensure that we're, fl- you know, we're following all the various protocols. Um, so, you know, kudos to our frontline staff and, and uh, all the entrepreneurs, Spirit Leaf entrepreneurs on the ground. Um, it's, it's just been a nonstop pivot. And uh, I guess we feel pretty fortunate in cannabis retail compared to most restaurants and retailers. Um, so we, we try and look at the bright side, but uh, definitely looking forward to being able to open our doors again in Ontario and, and getting back to some sort of normal retail environment, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm looking for that euphoria moment in the marathon. I haven't hit that yet, but I think uh, I don't want to hit the wall first. But um, let's talk. I mean, a, a unique characteristic, I think, about retail cannabis is while retailers, depending on whether you were hit by the shockwave or the sledgehammer, uh, were either just trying to you know operate or just not open, where cannabis retailers were opening many, many stores. So that's a whole different thing. So how do you, what are your three things that kept you going and, and the three um, ways that you were able to continue to open stores at the clip that you, you needed to open them? Yeah, it's been challenging for sure. And I, it's, I feel bad for many of these uh, franchise partners who were doing big ribbon cutting ceremonies and you cut the ribbon and you can't even open the doors to let people inside. Right. So right. It's crazy, right? It's we're crazy. looking forward to doing those uh, second cuts uh, at, at a hopefully not too far away. Um, right. But yeah, it's just really firstly keeping everybody safe and then um, 
trying to stay on top of what construction we can do, what we can't do, and but persevering. And, and I think that's uh, that's the cannabis industry as a whole, which I, I, I don't necessarily think the industry gets enough credit for the perseverance, uh, even from the initial LP days and trying to get licensed to, uh, to retailers now, trying to get open and licensed through all the various different municipalities and provinces. Uh, it's just perseverance and uh, keep your head down and sure you're doing everything that's compliant and safe and uh and just keep grinding away at it i don't think there's really any other choice you know you raise a great point i often say that cannabis retailers if anyone could have been built for this covid era it's cannabis retailers as a whole because you you already were agile you already were used to overcoming and putting barriers in front of you so to me it's no surprise i think i think the entire retail industry looks now to cannabis retailers with admiration like we need to be as agile as a sector, as, as cannabis retailers. Eleanor, you're a veteran retail operator. You came out of, out of traditional retail. You know, as you, as you think about, you know, the COVID era now and moving forward, communication so important, your people so important. Um, you know, it, it, part of your DNA is understanding how to communicate. Communication so important. How has this changed for you? What did you do different during COVID? I've heard retailers, for example, you know, they're trying to figure out how do I do, I use the, you do store tours all the time, store checks all the time. How have you adapted to this to, to kind of keep the people, the momentum and, and the culture within Kiero? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it was really hard. I, I think the big thing about communication is that one of the things that was really prevalent at the time was that sense of urgency and as that sense of urgency can be conveyed through communication, it can be very dangerous. It can really kind of miss mm. things that are important to other people, how people are feeling. Uh, so really, I think it, it taught me to slow down. You know, it's important to be decisive in an emergency. It's important to pull your troops together. But it's really important to slow down and be very mindful of, of how this situation is impacting people in the different ways that communication will be important. I also think that to your point about in-store and personal visits and that personal communication and not being able to do that. But it was really hard, too, for associates who wanted to have this great opportunity to educate consumers about cannabis that might be new to it, you know, to share different stories, and they really couldn't. And so creating barriers in stores so that they were safe was so important. So communication really became um, resisting top-down solutions really trying to cultivate bottom up. I think um, Darren alluded to that. How do you cultivate, um, you know, store manager in Victoria versus a store manager in Saskatoon or LaRange, a very Northern store at the Northern tip of Canada. Those are different needs in those communities. And so making sure that your communication channels are set to operate in that fashion. You know, I, I think one of the lasting or lingering challenges, and I think we're, we're starting to feel it now, you know, the old saying, right, there's no cash registers in head office is, mm. is, you know, your, your home office support, your, your head office should be supporting the field. But it, it's really, you know, I think it's challenging, right, where head office folks are actually mandated to stay home, where they've got folks operating on the front lines. I, have you experienced that kind of schism, right? It's like, hey, we got to be out there, but other folks in general, you know, in some ways have to stay home and operate. How, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you manage that? How do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, it was really hard because people wanted to go to the stores and support. And you were like, listen, we can't have a lot of people in the store. So, yeah, it was a real um, challenging situation. But I think what we did was we celebrated that um, that passion to support the front line and found other avenues through which they could support. So whether it's, you know, finding the best masks mm -hmm. for staff. 
whether it's, you know, sending care packages to stores, um, low, changing store hours. You know, that was the other thing to your point about no cash registers in HQ. It's something I'm incredibly passionate about is making sure everybody knows, listen, it all starts and stops in the store. So how do we yeah. find ways to support? Yeah, no kidding. Let, let's talk about the store for a bit. So, you know, one of the things that uh, in industry role, industry-wide really was accelerated was curbside and, and home delivery, certainly from a, a e-commerce. Now in Saskatchewan, you've always had the opportunity to home delivery. Talk about how important that is to you, the, 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 whether it's curbside or whether it's pickup and store or home delivery. Is that, is that essential? And, I, and my follow-up question where I'm kind of going with this, do you, do you see that there's a, a ghost kitchen model where that just becomes the only way that you start a brand and you can just engage in home delivery and and some kind of pickup is that is that viable or is the store still matter well i'll get to that so so what do i think about delivery um i think it's like so important to give a consumer a choice so how can we get you product that's meaningful to you in a safe way a compliant way uh, and to ensure it doesn't get into the hands of youth is an incredibly important um, component of operating in regulated retail so it is very um, a complicated matrix in terms of cost and profit centers. They can get away from you. So you've got to really yeah. manage how you do it. And so, yeah, last mile in delivery, we were one of the earliest to launch it in Saskatchewan. It's always been, you know, a good addition. I think on the question of, you know, retail's clearly changed. We've all been changed by this. And what that looks like is so uncertain mm-hmm. in terms of what, how that permanence sticks for us. Um, ghost kitchens for, for retail, I love the idea. I'm not sure how you do that safely because the consumer needs to be home when you deliver the product. And so that's always a challenge with liquor or cannabis delivery is how do you create a service that's accessible, um, but at the same time, you can't be flexible on delivery. You either got to be there or you don't get it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not sure if you could do that, but it's you, you've tickled my brain on the question. I love it. Well, it's kind of the idea that um, do you need a physical store? I mean, many restaurants, yeah. are, I, you know, yeah. I, you know, they go through a different network and and you know that try to then master kind of home delivery. You know, my expectation for e-commerce. Let me just pull that thread a little bit. My expectation for e-commerce in the cannabis sector was that uh, customers would come into your stores, both of you, and experience the product, choose their brands. We saw some great segmentation from Liz, and then do more replenishment online or home delivery. Is, is that been, Eleanor, has that been your experience in Saskatchewan? And, and Darren, chime in on that one as well. I'd, I'd be kind of keen to see what your yeah, observations have been. I'd love to hear from Darren on that. I, I think that, um, I, I think the reason I brought up that piece of it in terms of the delivery and the consumer being home is that the, the volume of transactions in people's lives are so busy. You know, COVID mm-hmm. might be unique situation where a lot of people were at home um, that I'm, I, I think that it, it's a different dynamic in, in the industry we look, we, we are in, but in terms of e-commerce um, yeah, I think that getting people the things that they want uh, is definitely the forefront of it. So love to hear Darren's thoughts on it. Darren, what's, what's been your experience uh, in the different markets that you operate in? Well, I think retail today, whether you're in cannabis or any retail and, and you've talked about this lots is really it's omni-channel. So I think every touch point is important, whether it's an e-commerce delivery or a reserve and pickup or an in-store experience. I think they all go part and part. Uh, the governments and the provincial governments right across the country uh, really mandated for cannabis retail, the importance of stores. So I think that stores are going to exist. Uh, would I be surprised if they change the rules I'd actually be surprised here where I'm not surprised most of the time. 
but I do hope that uh, what COVID has created is uh, is yeah. some learnings for the provincial governments that, hey, we can do um, delivery very effectively. We can do it safely. We can ensure it stays out of youth's hands. And that's a big part of stamping out the illicit market. So I'm hoping that it continues in some jurisdictions where it's been forced upon us through COVID. But I guess that's to be seen and uh, the regulators will, will do what they feel is correct and right for the provinces and, and the industry. I mean, certainly the advocates of Retail Council of Canada have been have been advocating for that. I mean, you, you make a great point. I, I sometimes describe it as, you know, when you're having toast in the morning and your, your, your toast falls off the table and lands butter side up. It's kind of like, you know, COVID wasn't great, but maybe there's something good that comes out of it. And maybe it advances the whole idea of home delivery more than it would have advanced without COVID. I mean, maybe there's an upside somewhere if you can say such a thing about about such a time. Um, Darren, let's talk about retailing and product and assortment. I'm curious if if we're there yet. In the early, early days of of, of retail cannabis, there, there wasn't much supply. It kind of had to sell what you could get your hands on. You're now, I think, retailers are, are in, have the, the luxury of being retailers again, choice, making choices. Uh, is the product there? You know, speaking, if LPs were listening, are, are the LPs there yet? Are you getting the consistency, the freshness, the variety? Talk about that. What's your perspective yeah. on, on the assortment? I'm so impressed with the licensed producers in Canada and the amount of innovation that's coming out and the quality of products. They're really doing an incredible job and it's, it's improved and it continues to improve week by week and, and month by month. I think that uh, growing flour and uh, kudos to all the horticulturists there who are, who are doing such a great job. Uh, it's difficult to always get that exact product consistency from, from grow to grow. There's so many variables. Um, but I think what we're learning and what we're, uh, what we're seeing in the industry is just we're, we're getting deeper. We're not talking about just sativas and indicas. We're talking about terpene profiles and cannabinoids. cannabinoids. So I, I think the product is there. I think that it's going to continue to improve. I think we've seen some short-term supply gluts with, uh, with COVID um, causing them. But in the long term, uh, we're definitely starting to see improvement. I think Ontario is going to go to a flow-through model shortly for some of it, which will just make it even better and stronger for retailers and, and craft producers. So, yeah, I, I think we're, we're seeing and we're going to continue to see great and more innovation, and um, which will be great for consumers. Now, if, if I was standing in one of your stores, are you, you know, everyone has to have a point of view. I mean, we're at the point now uh, where people probably have to go buy one or two other cannabis stores to go to either of your stores. They, they have a choice to make. Is your assortment a point of difference for you? You know, on a spectrum of, you know, experience, location, uh, assortment, are you making choices along the lines that say, oh, if I close my eyes, I'd, I'd know I was in your store just by the assortment. Like, how do you how do you think of the assortment from a strategic perspective? Yeah, I think assortment is key. And uh, what I can speak anyway for Spirit Leaf, um, we really like our local ownership model as mm-hmm. it allows us to really customize down to each community and neighborhood. So uh, we're, the data is important and we work with headset. That's a big part of it. But the second element is really ensuring that that product uh, matches the consumers for each local community. So I think it, it, uh, having a great selection and assortment that speaks to your consumer is as important as the brand experience in your location and all the other key retail elements that um, that we're, we're familiar with. Eleanor, I want to pick up on that a little bit because I know community is very important to you in Kiero and you have innovative ways of connecting to your community. And I also want to connect to the product side. When I was in your store, 
in Vancouver, you know, you had a nice array uh, of a terpene selection. I thought it was very informative and it was so well done. Talk about how you're thinking about the assortment. Are you, are you happy with the product that you're getting? Are you, are you at the point where you're making decisions? Yes, no, we're going to go this way, a different way. Talk about that a bit. Yeah, well, thank you for the compliment. Appreciate that. There's lots of people behind the scenes that that appreciate hearing those things. Um, <clears throat> I agree with Darren. I think that <clears throat> the product assortment in from the LPs has really, really come a long way, and really innovative, um, great products, and so much, so much choice. So I think that um, the thing I'm really passionate about is I think retail is local. I think if anything has, has changed in our society, it's when you want to go to a shop that's your local shop, you want it to feel like your shop. And so assortment becomes key for that. And so, yes, we do say yes to some and no to others and, you know, like to give new shots to, to small uh, LPs across the country that offer something different. And maybe it's a different way of growing it. Um, mm -hmm. Who knows? So, so I think we're really passionate about how do we, you know, finding a producer that's from your own community. How great is that? Anybody wants to to say, hey, I, I picked up this this great strain, and and uh, I know I know Judy. She she grew it ten years ago. So now seeing somebody successful and transitioning over to the regulated market, there's so many things to celebrate when it comes to to product and and keeping it local. Uh have edibles as a category and, and concentrates, have they met or exceeded your expectation in terms of, of demand from consumers? Uh, you know, were you thinking it would be, it was a nice expansion of the assortment to add some more margin in the category. Where are you on that spectrum of meets or exceeds or may perhaps didn't, ex yeah. didn't meet your expectations? I, I love the question because I think that it's bound by the regulations. So based on how they've approached um, what is allowable from an edible or a beverage perspective, I think some work needs to be done in terms of reevaluating that. And so for the companies and the LPs that have worked on these products, I think they've done a fantastic job of bringing to market, you know, edibles, beverages, concentrates, hash, the, you name it. There, there's a lot of options for consumers to to try based on based on what your needs are. So lots of great great uh, brands and, and options on shelf. Are, are you happy with the flavor profiles, Darren? Like when you mastering edibles, drinkables, whatever, uh, you know, it's not just about the, the ingredients, but it's the flavor profiles and, and do they taste good? You know, are they, are they good to consume? Are you, are you happy with them, Darren? Oh yeah. I love the edibles uh, personally. And I know our consumers are loving them too, from all the chocolates to the various flavors of gummies. I think I had a watermelon gummy the other day or yet last night, even it was delicious. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's there. I think the beverages too in Canada versus what they've been able to innovate in the U S are really coming along as well. So uh, yeah. And, and I, I do believe the beverages will, uh, will continue to improve in flavor and, uh, and variety to Eleanor's point, particularly on beverages, there definitely needs to be a change very quickly from Health Canada on the limits. Uh, you should be able to walk into a cannabis store and buy 12 to 24 beverages, no different than you can buy uh, alcohol. It's frustrating for us. It's frustrating for our yeah. consumers to only be able to buy four. But that change is going to come. I, I, I know it's being worked on. And um, But yeah, uh, kudos to definitely to the manufacturers. They're doing a great job of, uh, of producing some terrific product. That's yeah. not, you know, that's going off the smoke. Yeah, you're happy with them, Eleanor? Yeah, well, just sorry, Darren, I thought you were done there. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But to Darren's point, I'm so glad he said that. Pick up a beverage if you haven't tried it. They're so good. Or an edible. But I do think the beverages get underplayed. And they're great effect. I, I think that they're so consistent. I don't know, Darren, if you've had the same experience. But, you know, they're really great. 
Yeah. Oh, totally agree. I think the beverages are great. And I think it's a category that's, I mean, it's just in its infancy here. We're talking like one or 2% of overall sales, but beverage is a socially acceptable way to consume. So instead of uh, choosing alcohol, uh, I really hope that backyard barbecues are now choosing cannabis beverage over, uh, over liquor. So um, I I think there's just a, a huge trajectory ahead. I wanted to touch on one thing. Um, the The act is up for renewal in the fall. That process starts. So uh, Deanne Breesbaugh at the beginning was saying uh, that we're launching a working group. And part of that is getting and we do these reviews all the time across all number of sectors. Right. Much legislation always by, you know, by parliamentary decree comes up for renewal. And that's certainly one element, uh, you know, the, uh, on behalf of the retailers, we would be looking uh, to talk about if you want to be successful and, and get to your objectives. There's a few things that need to happen. That might be one of them. Eleanor, I'm going to throw the last question to you, and it's kind of a big one, um, but it's a short question. What does innovation look like in cannabis retail? Ah, yes. Well, listen, technology is here and it's staying. So what does brick and mortar look like in the future? It's very exciting to consider. It's one of the oldest industries, right? You know, selling your wares. And I think that it's, I think you made the point earlier that it's, it's not been the most agile of industries. I come from, as, as does uh, Darren, you know, traditional in mall brick and mortar. It's a slow moving beast. And so I think that what retail looks like and the different revenue streams and omni-channel approaches to Darren's earlier point, I think, I think retail looks very different than has looked um, for the past 50 years. And I'm excited about it. Well, I mean, it, it's a great point. And, and I often wonder why sometimes it takes a crisis for change to happen in our industry. Well, it's we've got a Right. Right. We got the mother of all crises. Um, I, I actually think, Darren, I, I want to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lie. I'm going to say, Darren, I'm going to ask you. Yeah, a question. No, um, it. <laughs> it, it's I think the innovation is yet to come in the retail sector. I think the past 18 months and whatever's left in covid um, will be at the end of the day. Everyone's too busy just figuring it out and that the innovation will be to come. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's still a lot of innovation to come. What I can say specific to the cannabis industry uh, is really how impressive, and to Eleanor's point, the technology, the fact that most stores have been able to quickly adopt, and, and that's thanks to our point-of-sale providers and, and all of the ancillary products, but the fact that we've been able to so quickly adapt to online retail and online menus and, and the digital game and texting, like uh, I think cannabis retail for being brand new is quite far ahead compared to our traditional um, retail experiences. So I think it's been uh, I think it's been quite refreshing, but I do agree with you, Michael, and you certainly have uh, most more insight than most that uh, there's still going to be a lot of innovation ahead. And uh, I hope that cannabis can be trailblazing like that as they have in, in, in the cannabis industry on the retail industry as a whole. Well, listen, I can tell you when I do presentations at, at very large corporations, they always ask for what are you seeing? What's innovative? What's what's different? And most of my slides are from the cannabis industry. I'm like, if you want to look for innovation, nimbleness, agility, and just really interesting ways to go to retail, look no further. It's here. You don't have to go any further. Uh, okay, I super, super like one last question. Uh, any trends that either of you are seeing in terms of cash or payment types uh, that you could speak on kind of from the before time to now? You're seeing less cash, more interact, more credit cards. Anything, anything jump out to either of you? Definitely less cash. I mean, that's the one thing is everybody's tapping their phone and isn't that great? How, how seamless can that be? 
Well, tapping the phone too, not just tapping. So you're finding that is kind of getting a bit of pace to it. Yeah. I mean, that's like the number one, number one growth I see in terms, I don't know, Darren, if you're seeing the same thing, but people coming in and just thumb on the phone and putting up against the the payment terminal um, is definitely uh, what I'm seeing. Darren, do you, do you allow kind of Apple pay in these kind of payment types in, in your stores on your POS? Yeah, whatever uh, payments are allowed, we accept, uh, short of Bitcoin right now. But um, <laughs> I think once the Safe Banking dog Act... Coin. Uh, dog uh, yeah, coin. Take some dog right. coin. That's right. But I think once the uh, once the Safe Banking Act uh, passes in the U.S., that's also going to open up a lot more payment uh, options. We, there are some limitations still in the cannabis industry, particularly online. You can't use PayPal, those kind of things. So um, I, I think there's still a way to go, but I agree uh, we're going to be at a cashless society pretty quick here. Well, you know, never a dull day uh, in the retail cannabis sector. I'd like to thank both of you for joining me. It's been a really great exploration. Uh, You know, we barely scratched the surface, but I I feel that from every presentation today, you know, the one industry, the one sector of our industry that uniformly is, uh, as I said, agile, growing, opening stores, contributing, uh, doing all those great things. So thank you both for for joining me. Thank you both for for being such great leaders and, and thought leaders in the industry. Darren, congratulations again on uh, on your corporate uh, news. That's fantastic. Uh, just great news and, and continuing to, to highlight the value that uh, is there in retail cannabis. Eleanor, I look forward to seeing you on the West Coast. Yeah, news thanks, soon. Michael. And thanks uh, to the RCC and yourself for all of the attention and positive news. You, you help uh, elevate the uh, cannabis industry. So appreciate that. Agreed. Thank My you pleasure. very much. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Voice of Retail. Be sure and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy podcasts so you don't miss out on the latest episodes, industry news, and insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating review as it really helps us grow so that we continue to get amazing guests onto the show. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Until next time, stay safe, have a great week.